this is not how our hair looks at all. <laughs> you really did just pull this off of the 70s dance floor. Like. Welcome to Talking Simulator, a series of short conversations about video games with interesting people who play them. I'm Jordan Erica Weber, and in this episode, I discuss The Sims 4 with my guest, Danielle, otherwise known as Ebonics Sims. My name is Danielle. I'm also known as Ebonics or Ebonics Sims Online. I'm a full-time content creator, 3D artist and Twitch partner, and everyone loves me for The Sims. <laughs> One reason everyone loves Danielle for The Sims is the custom content she creates for the game. Using her 3D art skills to make hairstyles, clothes, objects and more, specifically for players who want more options for their black sims. In this episode, Danielle and I talk about how she got into making this custom content for The Sims 4, and why, which means discussing the history of representation in the series. These are games with a vast amount of creative freedom, where you have control over what each of your sims looks like, their personality, home, career, relationships. But for a game that simulates life, the Sims has underrepresented some lives compared to others, and attempts to redress the balance have been criticised for their poor execution. On the day this episode airs, a new update for The Sims 4 aims to address some of these criticisms by adding more than 100 new skin tone options with sliders, so that players can create Sims with a wide range of skin colours. Danielle was one of a handful of EA game changers who consulted on this and other changes to the game which will inevitably be one more reason for people to love her. Goals, to be able to just be like, oh, everyone loves me for this soon. <laughs> <laughs> so you are an EA game changer. I am, yes. What does that involve? I mean, for a long time, it mainly involved getting free and early access to the sims packs so that would come out so the expansions the game packs the stuff packs so you know you'd get the pack a few days early and then you get to show the community like what's in the pack and then kind of give your opinion on it but more so recently the sims have been working on updating and diversifying their skin tones for about six years we've really had issues with representation when it comes to the skin tones and The Sims have now worked with very select few. So there's only five game changers that they've reached out to, myself being one of them. And we've actually been helping consult and guide them on the kind of best next steps in how to make sure that the skin tones aren't ashy, that they're representative of the diverse amount of players and that actually everyone has an option in terms of a skin tone and we're not left with the three to four pretty badly done skin tones so you know I've stepped up a level when it comes to being a game changer it feels um and I actually feel like I'm helping change the game which is awesome that's awesome you said it, you've been about six years trying to push for this kind of change mm. do you feel like at first they weren't really listening or was there something else going on that meant that it couldn't change right away I mean so yeah no so I mean the first few I wouldn't say the first two years the first year, we kind of accepted it. It's a brand new shiny game. I mean, The Sims 4 is way different to The Sims 3 in terms of especially how much you can do in Creator Sim. And then once I started getting into custom content, so we're talking 2015, that's when I realised that, oh, there isn't that much content available for us. So now I actually have to start doing stuff and start making my own content in order to fill that gap. 
the rallying stuff in terms of where we started as a community rallying for change, it did feel like it fell on deaf ears for a very, very long time. If anything, it's what encouraged me to keep making content because where we didn't feel like we were being listened to as such, it fell back on the community to fill the gaps of what was missing in the game for us when it comes to representation. And it did only start picking up this year. <sighs> we want to say that when a lot of the kind of more well-known white or non-POC like YouTubers and stuff, when they started speaking out about it, that's when it, the entire community, it became an entire community rally rather than just it being the black and POC side of the community who were fighting for this kind of change. How did that feel to feel like you've been fighting for this for so long and it was only when white people started speaking up that it finally felt like you were being listened to? Uh, it, In a way, it feels a bit like, well, a bit of a slap in the face. You know, you just, why did it have to take that demographic I mean, and I, I'm not gonna I'm not gonna say it's this and then it's that. I'm not gonna say one and two is three, and that's the reason why things change. Mm. But it did. We did get the impression that it changed because a lot more of the bigger YouTubers who just so happened to be white were talking about it, and that's when it became an issue amongst the entire community. So it did feel like, well, what was going on when we were saying things? What was going on when we were shouting from the rooftops that these skin tones are ashy and we there's a problem. We can't use them. We have to use custom content in order to make sims that look like us. I'm really interested in hearing about what The Sims has been like as far as representation way back to the kind of beginning of the series. When did you first get into The Sims? I've been a simmer from the jump. So literally from the very first Sims even before the Sims house party, like the very first, <laughs> <laughs> the very first main Sims, I, I think there was four skin tones. Mm. So there was extra white, kind of <laughs> light, medium white, and then there was medium, and then there was brown slash black. Mm. And those are the four skin tones that you had. I don't even recall if there were hairstyles or anything. And I don't know if you knew how the Sims looked in the Sims 1, but they were kind of kind of like little stick people <laughs> and you could add clothes and stuff to them. But there wasn't that much customization. So I think it was the Sims 2 when you then got the creator sim was opened up and you were able to actually start making Sims that look a little bit, you know, different and you can change the rate, like shape of the eye and the nose and stuff like that. So that's when Creator Sim actually got a level up and you see then you're getting options to make more diverse looking Sims. But even then, it there wasn't that big of an option when it came to things like hairstyles. Again, I think there were about four skin tones. So mm. we are still stuck on four skin tones. We got the light, like light, medium, medium, tan, and then black and brown. I think the biggest leap was The Sims 3 because that's when they introduced the colour wheel and then you could make a sim literally any colour. And that is one of the probably most progressive things when it came to skin tone diversity. You could practically make a sim of any colour, any hue. And then we kind of dialed it back a bit and then you got the swatch options for The Sims 4. And then that's when the issues arise with that not being enough and then 
the kind of color option it was very quite like you know, like a gray undertone mm. and for someone whose melanin is popping i feel a bit you know i feel a little bit <laughs> insulted like how can i make sims how can i make my sims self and the, the options aren't popping like my melanin mm-hmm. um and i mean the same goes for hairstyles uh the sims 2 barely any the sims 3 the options have i feel always been quite slim when it comes to hairstyle options as well, we're not put at the forefront. Mm -hmm. So when you are able to make Sims that have a skin tone that more closely resembles yours, have a hairstyle that more closely resembles yours, how does that feel for you? I want to get a sense for people who are listening of why this is so important to you. I'm going to take you back to when I was eight. Okay. I never used to make black Sims in The Sims 2, especially And granted that we were given more options to make Sims and how different you can make them. I never made black Sims because apart from the skin tone, bearing in mind it's only one brown black shade, I couldn't make a Sim that that reflected me. And that had an impact on my own self-esteem and how I saw myself. So I didn't see myself as, you know, beautiful enough or enough of a person to make myself as a sim so I ended up making sims of different ethnicities where there was more content available for them so for me now being able to make a sim that represents me how my hair looks how much I change my hair my makeup my looks everything it gives an element of self-love and self-appreciation like you can literally sit and kind of finesse the sim and you can look at yourself and be like yes that's me and I love that little version of me you know some people say it's just a game like relax but it's more than just a game at the end of the day if you're spending so much time and you put a lot of heart into something that's something that you're passionate about whether it's a game or not so being able to actually be given the options to make a sim make a character that looks like you or make a character of people that are in your world in your universe and make them accurately it gives you a more sense of self Mm. and awareness of self and more self-love for me definitely so you've been playing the sims since the beginning what is it that you love about the game what keeps you coming back Ah, I say this in every interview. I think there's something called the plum bob gene. Like... (laughs) If there is, I have that. (laughs) Yeah, most definitely. Like, there's no one reason that I could really explain what keeps me playing The Sims. As soon as I saw it, I saw it in WH Smith way, you know, back in 1999, (laughs) I saw the box in WH Smith and that was it. That, That was me. I was just stuck And I've been stuck ever since. I don't know if it's the ability to be as creative as I want kind of now with Sims. But I think back in the day, it was just like, oh, my God, I can control these little people. Mm. I can have them kind of live out their own lives, have as many kids as they want or drama and, you know, whatever jobs. And I was very big on reading as a child as well. So I used to read a lot. So my imagination is, you know, filled with different ways of making stories and stuff for my Sims. So I think that creative side of me as well loved being able to kind of control, but also direct how a Sims story would go. And being an only child as well, it was like, okay, well, I can make a family that has loads of kids and then that one child won't be alone. Kind of like how I I don't feel alone, but it was like, okay, well, 
I wanted them to have brothers and sisters, whereas I didn't have brothers and sisters. So yeah, so it was a bit of an escape from reality as well. You know, you get to create a world that isn't like your own world and make it as fun, you know, as possible. Let's talk about the storytelling aspect of it then, because often people talk about how there are different kinds of simmers. You know, there are people who just like building and they don't really do anything else. People who make custom content, people who like making sims and doing their clothes and makeup, people who are storytellers. With the aspect of representation that we've been talking about, how does that play into the storytelling side of things? Because I feel like maybe there would be people who would say, well, you know, if you're not making yourself, then you don't necessarily need to be making Sims that look exactly like you. But I wonder if you can explain how that is still important, even if you're playing in a storytelling aspect. The funny story is I literally got into making custom content because I had this story of a couple who had just moved into the neighborhood and they'd found like a whole bunch of black friends and they wanted to have a party to kind of you know introduce themselves to everyone and as I was getting all of like everyone ready I really wanted to make this guy he was a bit like, like of a hotep and he liked African culture and things like that and I wanted him to wear a dashiki mm. so you know, in the game, there's no dashiki. I can't put him in a dashiki. I can't make the sim that I want to represent as that character in the story. So I then went away, did some research and learned how to make the dashiki so that I could accurately represent this kind of more Afrocentric, pan-African character for my story. And so... For me, it's like, well, yeah, of course, the storytelling aspect, I need to be able to represent Sims so that they have their own personalities. So that if I'm making, let's say I'm making Sim who owns a hair shop, I need to be able to have a whole host of wigs on the shelf <laughs> kind of thing. So, yeah, no, it is really important. But back to the story, like, had I not felt the need to go away and make that dashiki, I would not have been able to accurately create the character that I had in my mind who spoke quite highly of African culture. Can you explain for people who might not know what custom content is? Yeah. So custom content is, it's user-generated content. So it's community-driven. People in the community create their own clothes, hairstyles, objects, and then they make them compatible for the Sims. So they might use freely modeling programs like Blender, Maya, 3ds Max, and they create their models in these programs and then make them compatible for the Sims. So you can pretty much make anything for the Sims if you really wanted to. You could pretty much make anything. <laughs> so it's not kind of funded by EA or anything. It is literally community driven or community made. So 2015, you wanted to make a dashiki that you could put in the game. So you went and learned how to do custom content. What was that process like? Like, was it difficult? Did you have to learn to code or anything like that? No. So it, for clothes in particular, particularly if you're just doing a retexture or a recolor of an already made t-shirt, the process is really simple. It is just about having a little bit of knowledge about Photoshop or GIMP. So any kind of like photo editing program 
that process was pretty easy. I mean, I used to play, <laughs> I used to play I'm VU back in the day. And so I had a little bit of Photoshop knowledge because I used to make these like highly edited pictures of me and my IMVU friends. So when I got back into it and started making stuff for The Sims, I was like, oh yeah, I know my way around a little bit. And then as time progressed, I started learning how to make hairstyles. And that's when I had to learn how to use Blender. So I'm not going to lie. When I opened <laughs> Blender, I closed it straight away. I <laughs> It was open for literally three seconds. I looked at it and I said, no, no, we're not doing this today. And I left it for about six, eight months <laughs> until I built up my confidence. And then I reopened it and said, OK, we're going to take this one vertice at a time. We've, we've got this. <laughs> we've got this you know it's gonna be fine and then the rest is kind of history and I kind of taught myself and got some YouTube tutorials as well and yeah some pretty much self-taught when it comes to this kind of thing that's amazing and you've been doing it for like five years now presumably Mm -hmm. do you feel that you've vastly improved or have you kind of reached a point at which you you kind of know what you're doing and there's nowhere else to go from here oh yeah there's still so much room for improvement absolutely and from when I started so I think 3d modeling really started for me in 2017 Mm. and from 2017 to now like I definitely feel like I've vastly improved and I've still got so much more room to learn and grow and kind of pick up different techniques on how to do different things and just to generally improve my content. So yeah, still so much more to learn. Is it something you can see yourself doing professionally in another context, like maybe going and becoming a 3D modeler at a game studio? Or is this you just want to keep it to something you do for The Sims? Um, It's an interesting concept because I did feel like I wanted to at one point go to work for a studio and I was going to go back to school and do all of that to you know solidify the fact that I have the education to go and work for someone to make their own 3D models but I think the direction that I think my career is taking me in is the aspect of representation across all games. The Sims is definitely a starting point for me but I think that there's still so much work to do across the entire gaming industry. And that is definitely something that I want to tap into and finesse and work on my skills in terms of how to advise and guide different studios and companies on how to ensure that if you're given your players an option to create a character, you need to ensure that you're getting it right and you're not leaving them with one or two hairstyle options or options where they have to pay, you know, like there's there's a paywall in order for them to feel represented fully. So as the Sims packs have come along, they've gotten better with representation in terms of the different type of hairstyles and kind of like the braids, the locks, the curls, all of those are coming out. However, you do have to buy these packs in order to access this content so I mean I have been speaking to them about this and you know letting them know that you know it's not really okay you know there's 64 base game hairs and only eight of them have a kink or curl in them Mm. and so there's a bit of disparity when it comes to being able to make a sim you have to then buy these packs in order to make a sim that has kind of curly kinky locks braids kind of thing but that's something that I've been a bit loud about and, you know, speaking with the Sim gurus about. So hopefully down the line, you know, it's something that we can work on changing. 
but yeah, but for but at this present moment in time, there is a bit of a paywall when it does come to having more diverse hairs in your game. I love doing what I'm doing for The Sims right now. I do want to progress and advance and provide more content for other games. If I had a twin, I feel like we'd be able to do that. <laughs> we'd be able to do that. Or if there was like 48 hours in the day, I'd be able to do all of what I wanted. But I think, yeah, for now, I think The Sims is where I'm starting. It's my starting point. Mm-hmm. But there's still so much work to do across the industry. Okay, so let's talk about what's going on with The Sims right now then. Mm -hmm. So in the summer of 2020, there was petitions circulating and prominent YouTubers and other EA game changers started demanding more loudly that Sims 4 do better with darker skin tones. Can you just explain exactly what people had a problem with that was in the game and what they were asking for as well? Yeah, so I think what they were asking for initially was to bring back the colour wheel Mm. or for more options. But the colour wheel was the main request because when they introduced cats and dogs or was it pets they introduced the color wheel Mm. so you know people were thinking well if there's a color wheel for the cats and dogs why can't we get a color wheel for the skin tones like what is really the issue going on here Mm -hmm. and then if it wasn't the color wheel then it was for people that understand how hard it is to code and like literally uproot a game from one kind of way of doing things to another than having options of different skin tone swatches is what people were asking for. So throughout the summer, it did really get quite a lot of traction and then it did become a really focal point of the community. You know, why are we only left with the options of... I'm trying to count. So there was, I think, three, four dark skin tones Mm. and... They're ashy. There's no other way of describing them. They were really ashy. There's a really grey undertone and just didn't represent brown skin and melanin as well as it could have been. And then about two or three years ago, the Sims team patched in some additional brown skin tone swatches. However, the issue with these swatches is that there was some really bad pixelation issues with them. So, you know, you're getting pixelation around the mouth and the nose and the eyes. And it's like, okay, well, we can see that you tried to do something, but it's been three years since you've patched this in and it's not been fixed. So they're pretty much unusable. So now we've got a whole roster of unusable skin tones. And I think people were just really tired. Mm. They'd had enough. It's like, why aren't you hearing our cry? We had skin tones we couldn't use. You patched in some that could have been used. But there's this issue of the pixelation and they're deemed unusable as well. So at that point, it was just like people are really were just sick and tired of just not being listened to and not having content in the game available to use they didn't want to have to use custom content in order to feel represented so you and a few other ea game changers have been working with the sims 4 team to advise them on what improvements they should make to the game so what kind of recommendations have you made i mean i'm under nda so i can't really go into too much detail about it but we pretty much were just helping advise them on i think we suggested the cool the neutral and the warm as well and then they've gave us like options of you know, does this look good? Does that look good? So it was pretty much just advice. And then they picked game changes from pretty much all over. Mm. I think we had maybe two South American, one Asian, one European, and one American, North American. So they picked game changes that were from across the globe. So they had a very good kind of feedback from people from different aspects as well. Mm. So, you know, they're getting feedback from me 
and they're getting feedback from another game changer and I wouldn't have thought of some of the things that the other game changer would have said about what we were being presented with. They had like kind of well-rounded feedback and advice from us as game changers in order to make sure that what they're putting out come December it's you know well advised and well thought out and that they didn't feel like we were critiquing as such but it was more to ensure that if we're doing this we're doing it right and there's no you know not no because you know everyone's going to complain about something (laughs) especially (laughs) the sims right especially the sims (laughs) but there was kind of as little pushback as possible when Mm. it does come the time that they released all of the skin tones so an update has already gone out on october 6th i think the mm-hmm. aim to improve issues with some of the skin tones that are already in the game so the kind of ashiness that you described and the problems with the pixeling around the nose and mouth and things they also added uh, a couple of new male hairstyles so afro and braid hairstyles as well yep. uh, do you think they did a good job with those yeah so they updated two mm. so those were actually two hairstyles that were already in the game mm. that they updated and kind of made more recent and made it more relevant to today's culture because they both were very very outdated (laughs) um (laughs) very outdated but they've done a really good job with the kind of small throw because they've added a fade into it and with the braids they took it from it being kind of like one blob with painted braids on it and they've (laughs) actually really done a good job with kind of making the individual braids and the partings and making sure that the partings are staggered and not stacked you know you can tell that they've paid quite a lot of attention to detail and that they are quite determined to ensure that they are doing their research when it comes to how to accurately create our hair and it's well thought out. That's a really interesting indication, I think, the examples of the male hairstyles that you just described and the fact that they are really outdated. That strikes me as something that suggests that people with that kind of hair weren't anywhere near the team when they initially made those hairstyles. No, I think the team maybe has changed quite a lot since the original mm. original team members. I think the person who is kind of mainly dealing with the hairs and stuff right now Yeah, you can tell that they pay really, really good attention to detail and that they study how hair works. Mm. And I think that's one thing as well that is needed. Like you need someone who studies, especially how the way light hits hair and, you know, the different kind of curl patterns as well. Like you can really tell that there's a definite change from who created the originals to who's (laughs) updating them now. It's interesting because... I've been talking to some of the other people I've interviewed for this series about people being allowed, quote unquote, allowed to write characters who are a different race than themselves or a different gender than themselves. And I think about, you know, if a white developer is making black hairstyles to put into a game and they're being very well-meaning but they maybe didn't do enough research. They end up creating something that's very outdated. It feels like that's a situation where you would say, you know, if you'd had a black person on the team, they would have immediately noticed, right? I feel like that. Yeah, it does feel like they <laughs> they tried, but then, you know, you see the Party City wig and you're like, well, no, this is not how our hair looks at all. <laughs> you really did just pull this off of the... 70s dance floor like there's that one afro that just gets on everyone's nerves and it's like it just (laughs) it has to go but yeah no I definitely feel like if there were more people on the team Mm. giving the kind of pushback and but even even not just that like people 
if they had something like the Game Changers program and they did reach out to more Game Changers, the Game Changers program is only about three years old. Mm. So, I mean, the game is six. So, but if they did have at the time more people to give that pushback and give that, uh, yeah, no, <laughs> no, honey, no, let's go back a bit. Let's, let's redo this one. Let's study this. Cause I mean, even one of the original. <laughs> This even started circulating again this year. One of the original concepts for the big afro was cauliflower. <laughs> and it's like, is this who was making our hairstyles? Wow. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so, yeah, definitely needed some a bit more pushback back then. So this episode actually is due to come out on December 8th, which is the day that the game update with the 100 new skin tones comes out. So 100 new skin tones, each of them with a slider. I don't know if you've seen this yet, because it obviously isn't available yet while we're talking, but Mm -hmm. are you confident that that will be a good enough solution to enable any Sims player to see themselves represented in the game? Yeah, I think it's definitely a move forward and Mm. especially with the cool the neutral and the warm options that was seriously lacking and then you've got the kind of what is it is it the opacity or the brightness as well so you can you know literally make your own custom skin tones by adjusting the slider so it does feel like they're going in the right direction and I kind of have to give the Sims team their kudos it's a six-year-old game and I don't think there's been any other game who has looked within and reflected on how much they didn't cater to their demographic Mm -hmm. and then wanted to change that you know I haven't seen that come from any other studio any other game before so I mean again it's not going to please everyone but I think as a starting point especially for people who are just picking up the game, you know, you want them to be able to pick up the game and be like, boom, oh my gosh, I've got so many options of skin tones. I've got loads of options of hair. So it's a definite starting point in terms of how to make a game more diverse for the wide and vast and very diverse demographic that they have. So imagine you had a billion pounds in your own game studio to make a game like The Sims, but that perfectly represented every kind of sim you could possibly want to make and that enabled you to tell all kinds of stories of the kinds of cultures that you wanted to explore what would that look like what would be the key things that you would want in the game um oh i mean okay well we start with hairstyles i mean for me number (laughs) one is my sim needs to have a hair for every day of the week every day of the week i must have different hairstyles and fully represented and you know just how vibrant full diverse like kinky curly all the different hair textures and hair types and even being given the option to choose a hair type as well and curl pattern uh color wheel for skin tones for sure but then have like a saturation a brightness darkness and like a contrast filter or slider rather (laughs) we love this in the community multiplayer (laughs) 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 we love this in the community when is it gonna be multiplayer so even to be able to see your friends pull up to your friend's world and be like hey what's up i'm gonna mess things up today <laughs> I'm gonna impregnate all of your NPCs. All of your NPCs. <laughs> They're all gonna have my seat. <laughs> yeah, and like even just have like a filter of different I wanna say 
like worldly clothes mm. so you know different options of having clothes from like african nations asian nations uh, west asian nations like russian chinese nations there's so many different nations of especially like dress style that i would love to implement in the game so that you know if you've got because I think for a lot of us, a lot of us will be kind of first generation, especially if your family is from a different country. Mm. A lot of us will be kind of first or second generation of, let's say I'm first generation uh, Nigerian and Bajan. So I would love to be able to make my grandma who would wear like her traditional dress. And so it would be great to have the option of having a kind of like kente and kara and that being segregated in its own kind of clothing type or clothing region type of thing. That's so interesting because a question that I've thought about a lot when it comes to The Sims is around its representation of real world cultures, but kind of it takes a step back, right? So you've Mm. got, what was it called? The expansion where you could go to an island and it was clearly based on kind of Pacific Island, but not specifically. So they have kind of clothes and things that look like those clothes, but aren't exactly from that culture. And it feels like they're trying to keep that distance. Would you Mm. prefer it if they just went all out and were like, this is Hawaii, this is Japan, like, this is Nigeria like you Mm. can go there you can eat the food you can wear the clothes I kind of do I wish they would because in some cultures there are things that are you know kind of the same I mean granted that every country has its differences every country has something that makes it that country makes it representative of that country but I mean to be fair they did it with the Sims 3 world adventures so you got China Mm. you got Egypt and you got France So I think it's Island Living, the pack that you're talking about, where they did tap into Polynesian culture, but it wasn't, you know, exactly like this is Polynesian culture. This is in this is this specific island. So it gave them a chance to be a bit broader with what they implemented in the pack. But I do actually wish that they would pick a country, like pick one country that you want to do and then make it so. Like if you want to make Rio, like make Brazil then do it. Like, make Brazil, make everything that encapsulates Brazil. They can't make every country. I understand that. But, you know, some of the, you know, big countries, like, let's do it. And then you can go there, study it and get it down to a T. And it'll be really nice to see how they did that. It'd be so funny to see them make the UK and the Sims. Oh just like constant rain. I know, and- <laughs> right? I felt like that when I played Animal Crossing. It was just raining all the time. <laughs> but yeah, no, it would definitely be a lot of rain. A lot of city, if they did London in particular. Lots of tea. Lots of tea. Tea shops every corner. (laughs) (laughs) And pubs. Either a pub and a tea shop. (laughs) A (laughs) cafe. You started creating custom content because you wanted to fill a gap in the game, right? You wanted to be able to represent more hairstyles, more skin tones, more clothing types. Yeah. Now that the developers are willing to fill that gap themselves with these updates and listening to the community, do you think that you'll end up making less custom content yourself? Um, Not really, because The Sims has their own style and I have my style. <laughs> so there's two different styles of custom content or content that people with The Sims play with. So Max's Match is more in line with how The Sims make their items and their objects and everything. And then there's Alpha. So Alpha is the more realistic type of content. Mm. And that's the kind of content that I make and what my community prefer more of. 
But I'm a Maxis mixed player, so I will play with both Maxis Match and Alpha, but I do predominantly make more Alpha content. And I think a lot of the hairstyles I make tend to reflect more real world. I mean, the Sims are definitely getting better. Let's not, I'm not going to say that they aren't. And I will be playing with more of their content. But I think for me, I'm still going to be able to find and grab inspiration from kind of real life. Yeah, my inspiration is still real life and I've still got so much to make. And they can't make everything. I can't make everything. So there's still so much more. There's there's room for everyone. My inspiration is real life. It's such a great quote. <laughs> If you want to check out Danielle's custom content for The Sims 4, head to her website, ebonix.com. E-B-O-N-I-X.com. And follow her on Twitter, at ebonixsims. I'm at Jerrica Weber, and the podcast is at Talking Sim Pod. If you liked this episode, the best way to let us know is by leaving a review on Apple Podcasts. And make sure you're subscribed to the show so that you know when the next episode is ready. Our music is by Jazz Mickle. You can find her at Jazz Mickle. Talking Simulator is edited by Lemmington's loveliest audio person, Dan Parks. If you need to make something sound good, you can find him at Dan C. Parks. I'm Jordan Erica Weber. Talk again soon. It's so funny that you say that about being an only child because I'm the opposite. I'm the oldest of eight kids. Oh, wow. And that means that I could never make my whole family in The Sims, right? Oh, because no. eight kids, two parents, there's too many for oh, one no. house. So you literally have to kick out you. You'd have to go. Yeah. <laughs> it's like, we'll have to be neighbours. <laughs> <laughs>